2: All right, well, welcome into Stove 2022 edition. Yeah, here we are. Brand new friggin' year. Feels a lot different to me. Does it? Really? No, 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 not at all. Not (laughs) Not at all. Not not, not a bit. Uh, Not a bit every day. Groundhog Day around here. Yeah. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, uh, hey, uh, we're going to fire up the stove a little bit. We don't even have uh, many goodies uh, to fix because we're in the midst of a lockout right now. F you, Rob Manfred. Yes, so we'll, say, we'll say that thirty seconds into the uh,
1: into the podcast. I want to say it here. too. Screw you, yeah. you moron. Yeah, there we go. Now we're there both we go. got that off our chest. I'm sure we won't do it anymore.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, here we are. We're in the midst of uh, this off season, and we should have had all of this stuff to analyze and break down, and free agent signings, and trade possibilities, and everything else. Uh, We got a little bit of that before the lockout occurred. We have Robbie Ray on the team. Uh, We have Adam Frazier on the team. Uh, But this Stove Offseason Mariner podcast, uh, it's going to be a little different this episode. I just didn't want to get too far away, Bucky, here in the offseason from not talking baseball. And frankly, there's just an appetite for it. There is a thirst for it right now. I know I get more texts this offseason. I mean, with the Seahawks kind of limping down the stretch here of a season that was unsuccessful for them, Uh, people have switched to Mariners they want Mariner talk even though there's a lockout going on and I'm sending out these emails like there's nothing more I can tell you I don't we don't know anything they're not saying anything they're not even meeting uh but people want some Mariners off season news some baseball off season news and so I'm going to satisfy it because that fires me up
1: (laughs) yeah well it fires me up too it's usually what about uh May, June is when we start hearing all the people on the text line, like when's the Seahawks season start, you know, and now this year is probably a month ago when you start hearing and getting the little text messages saying, ah, I can't wait for Mariner season. And then boom, lockout. And so, yeah, we haven't got to talk about it much and yeah, there's some stuff to talk about. Not a lot of in depth or detailed stuff, but there's still some stuff there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great timing, Rob Manfred, by the way, I don't know if I've said this F you. Yeah. Screw yeah, you, yeah, moron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, all right. Well, uh, here's <laughs> the format for stove uh, a little different this year. We've got uh, what's in the oven. That's our main entree. And then we got four burners of conversation that we will discuss. And I think it's uh, kind of silly to start with anything but the main course here. So let me open up the uh, oven on stove and let's talk about Kyle Seeger, uh, who decided to retire. Uh, Kyle Seager has uh, stepped away from the game. And so, uh, we knew that he wasn't going to return Bucky to the Mariners, uh, just the relationship between he and Jerry DePoto had soured to such a degree, uh, that they were going to move on from him. Uh, but Kyle Seager and the Seager family decided, you know what, I've, I've played enough. I've made enough money. Uh, and maybe there was an element of, do I really want to go back in spring training and fight COVID for a third straight year when my heart's not really into it. Um, but he made the decision that, uh, sitting there in North Carolina, getting through the holidays with his family around that. This is pretty cool. So he has decided to hang it up. Well, what level of surprise did you have when you heard the news that Kyle Seager was not only not going to sign with somebody else, but, uh, was just going to step away from the game for good.
1: Um, I was a little bit surprised, but then literally minutes afterwards, like I was like, well, I guess I do kind of get it. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of things, you know. You mentioned the COVID. Do I want to do that again? Do I want to go try to find my way on another team? I mean, I'm sure from all by all accounts. I mean, I've met Kyle a few times, and and back in the day when Saunders and some of those guys were on the team that I knew when I was with the Mariners, that they I knew them when they were in Rook in in the minor leagues and A ball when I was doing my rehab assignment. They introduced me to him, and he seemed like a cool guy. Now never got to be in the clubhouse with him, but I hear that's kind of his spot. You know I mean? He's kind of likes razzing guys. Well, that's one of those things. When you go to a new team, I ended up, you know, doing my first six years with the Brewers, then went to the Cardinals for a couple of years before I came to the Mariners. And each time that you went to a new organization, you kind of, it was like going to a new school or new grade school or something. I didn't do a whole lot of that as a kid, but, Uh, there was one time and you have to make new friends and you kind of want to get off on the right foot. And so it's, it is a little different. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that, the COVID and, you know, just the thought of, boy, there's, there's the, the business side of baseball, the fact that you get continuously kind of fed a spoonful of it. Now, some of those spoonfuls are delicious, like your most delicious ice cream, right? They're they're millions of dollars, like scoops, like "Mm, I'll eat that all day. Other ones are yeah, we're not renewing your contract. We're not going to bring you back for that last option for $20 million. We're not going to do it. Those are not probably the most tasty spoonfuls of the business side of baseball. And so I think that and how he's been feeling ever since the rebuild was kind of announced uh, has been something that's been weighing on him. And, you know, he came out and eventually ended up saying, not eventually after he retired, said, I knew when I was walking off the field, you know, when he was crying and hugging everybody that last game that he was done. The fact that he knew then that he was done, that leads me down the thought of him not wanting to just kind of do start over again. Not that he would have to start his career over, but start with a new organization and reprove yourself to some extent amongst your teammates and establish where you are in the pecking order as far as a leader goes and all that kind of stuff. So once you put all that stuff together, once I kind of just ran through that one time in my mind, it didn't surprise me near as much that he decided to hang him up.
2: I, I admire the athlete that says, I'm satisfied. I mean, I know I've got some game left. I know I could play for another season or two. I know I could make more millions. I mean, this is not Barry Sanders-like, but I remember when Barry Sanders retired and it stunned the whole world, and you just you just knew that it was a contract ploy. Uh, you're just trying to get moved out of Detroit. There's no way that you, being one of the best in the world, is not going to play any more football. That doesn't make any sense. And sure enough, he stuck to it. Robert Smith, who stepped away, and uh, there have been some others. I mean, even your guy, John Elway. I mean, he won two straight Super Bowls. He could have kept playing. There's no question about it, and kept playing at a high level. So there's, uh, there's something about me. I, I certainly admire the guy that has said, you know what? I didn't get everything done, but I'm content. I made more money than I ever thought I would make in this sport. Uh, I played for one team. I played into my 30s. Yeah, I didn't end up in the playoffs. That stinks. Uh, but I'm good. I'm good with where I'm at. I got a good family. And so he moves on now. Right. I mean, the door's not closed to him. If he changes his mind, even midseason, he could come back and play. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that more guys don't try this. Uh, frankly and I all and I think also of your situation where you got a taste of it and then you had an injury take all of that stuff that Kyle Seager got to enjoy take it away from you mm-hmm. I mean what what is your reaction from that standpoint through your own personal experience when a guy could be playing right now could continue to play and has just decided you know what I'm sa- I'm satiated you know yeah. uh, my my tummy's full I don't want to get overeat I don't want to overeat uh, and I think only thing that could happen is, uh, you know, maybe I get injured and I have to do rehab. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to do anything. Uh, that's going to take away this feeling of contentment that I have right now. And and so he steps away. But uh, I'm just curious as to somebody that didn't get to go on that ride, like right. did what you think about that? Well, you
1: don't want to overeat and then puke on yourself, right? I mean, that's <laughs> probably part of the the thought of, okay, so d- if I go into this unknown territory, which he, he has enough friends, he's been around the game long enough to understand what free agency is all about, but until you go through it, especially on the heels of, The big contract that he signed, the organization that knows him the best, better than anybody, obviously, and they say you're not worth that. And so you're going to go into the offseason essentially knowing, like you and your agent are going to know that what people are going to come at me and offer me is going to be less than what I have been. So they're going to be telling me with paychecks, we don't think you're as good as you once were, or as, as good as Zorenzik thought you once were at one point in time. And regardless, that's, that's, you can debate that all you want. I think he was a damn good Mariner, all of that. When you first just said it like that. And I hadn't really even thought about it from the aspect of, man, I would, I mean, I would eat nails to go play yeah. to this day, you know, and I, so to walk away from the game when you still can play it and you still can make a bunch of money doing it, um, is something it gave me kind of goosebumps, but not the good goosebumps kind of gave me like a, Ooh, like a, yeah. not a real good feeling because yeah, I mean, I just, I can't imagine being there. You know I mean? I ended up hanging it up when I was down in Mexico. I'd played a year independent ball, hit almost 30 homers and, and hit 300 or almost 300 again, 292 or something and didn't get a sniff. I mean, my agent and I just, you know, he was calling everybody. Didn't get a sniff, went and had a couple little workouts with the Royals and a couple of other teams. And. Showed it off on BP and, and prove that I could still move a little bit around first base, but not near as good as I once could. And, and but who cares? You, you were going to sign me as a guy to drop bombs and that's it. I mean, that's yeah. what I was going to be at that point in my career. And <clears throat> excuse me. And yet I didn't get any takers. And so I went down to Mexico and played now winter ball in Mexico is fun, right? There's eight teams and you got your five import players and all the best Hispanic players are down there. And same thing in, venezuela and dominican and puerto rico the winter ball is it's really good baseball i mean it's it's for a baseball at least you know i mean it's better than anything you're going to face in the minor leagues and yet in the summer down in mexico was god awful there's 55 guys in the dugout every day i mean literally you're just Uh. overflowing out onto the field you're just sitting in front of the dugout on the ground um just Mm. that's the only place you could sit and and it just was bad baseball and so when i hung it up it was more of a wow, how far I've fallen, right? Just a year and a half ago, I was in the big leagues and I thought that, you know, my career is just getting off to a good start and here we go. And boom, injuries. Well, the, the injury just basically they decide decided to do surgery. That doesn't go well. Another surgery, independent ball, making peanuts and, and getting no sniffs. And, and next thing, you know, I'm like, this is not, it's the writing was on the wall. I could see it. I was, nobody was going to take a chance on me with my knee injury. And so, um, it kind of sucked to walk away, but it wasn't, I wasn't walking away from an opportunity that was in hand. You know, it wasn't like yeah. I was giving anything up. It was like the game had told me I was, we're done with you. And I just had to kind of deal with it. And so, yeah, from that aspect, it's a little hard to think of being able to do it. And, and for me, the one hangup when I just said it's understandable why he did it, you know, he's, he's made the money, like you said, more money than he probably ever thought he would make. and, Played a, had a great career, a long career, um, made a name for himself in this city. He's going to be a guy that's going to go down in Mariner history as one of the one of the better Mariners. And and yet he's got a brother that's got yeah. World Series rings. And and so to me, there is a part of me where I would have thought there would have been something in him saying, "I got to give it one shot with somebody else, right? Just somebody that will bring me in at half of what I usually make. Maybe I am only going to make eight million or ten million dollars this year." And that there's a contending team, and I'm going to go and see if I can take my leadership skills and, and the, you know, the fact that I can still swing it and pick it a little bit um, and see if I can go win a ring. So that part is a little bit surprising they didn't decide to do that.
2: Well, I'm going to try to do something dangerous here I should not do, and that's try to read into the sentimental aspects of this. On one hand, man, if you can have your last memory as a professional baseball player being the entire stadium, which was full that day, because there was still playoff implications going into that day. And the entire stadium is cheering you, standing up. And he, he didn't have this. St- he had a good time as a Mariner. He was mostly liked throughout his career. But he had, there people who took his shots in the media. I did, certainly at times. And, and Kevin Mather called him overpaid uh, publicly. And and so, uh, and he had fans, you know, calling the talk shows and, and saying, you know, Seager's killing us over there. He's not living up to that contract. So uh, it wasn't the smoothest ride throughout his career, but he got to the end and he got to feel that love and he got to feel that appreciation. And then his teammates and them bawling on his behalf. I mean, that's a pretty good moment. I mean, yeah. it, it, it would cross your mind that even if you went to that the park that day and said to yourself, I could pull, I'm going to play for three more years, you might have that experience like, that's enough. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's you're a right. pretty good feeling to walk away from. And then I questioned the other side of it um, because he had a chance here. I mean, he really is a family guy and I, and I think I know that he loves his brother and is probably his brother's biggest fan, but there's also a part and you've seen it too, where there's some jealousy there, you know, (laughs) that, that, I mean, I, I had one time where he got angry with me in spring training because I brought up Corey during an interview and then he started uh, bad mouthing me before I got outside of earshot. That how dare I ask about Corey Seeger. Hmm. Well, he's the talk of baseball, dude. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm I didn't know that you had any hangups here. I didn't know you had any b- little brother envy. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- he had an opportunity. They were both free agents in the same year. He had an opportunity to possibly play with him. Mm-hmm. I think the Yankees would have signed him. I think Kyle Seeger would be perfect for Yankee Stadium. He pulls mm-hmm. everything, right? They got that friendly right field line. They need a third baseman. Um, th- there were opportunities out there and I don't know. I don't know if he saw, well, good night nurse. Really? Uh, my little brother signs a $325 million contract and all I can get offered is one year, 5 million. Yeah. Screw this. Yeah. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go coach little league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, all of this is really dangerous to speculate about and I probably shouldn't do it. Uh, but, uh, it it just seemed like there were some opportunities out there and something sentimental, whether it's a really, really positive sentimental thing or possibly there was some negativity, negativity, uh, that he felt underneath the surface. But, uh, yeah i mean he 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 left millions on the table and and he passed up an opportunity to be for play for a contender this upcoming year he could have they probably had his choice between five or six teams Bucky that he could have played for as long as he was willing to take a sm- much smaller salary uh and and move to another city and kind of start fresh but uh
1: that's not the case he's done yeah. he has retired. Yeah. Well, I think that you probably, and I hear what you're saying about how it's dangerous to go down that path, but it is what it is. It's not like you're you're some novice that hasn't been following baseball and you don't, it's not like you don't know a lot of people that have kind of walked this, these routes, right. And kind of went down these paths and, and you hear enough and you know for a fact that they either feel this way or they feel this way about that part. And then this one or that one with him, I think there's the, do I want to do I want to move to a new city when I have kids that are, okay. Do I want to uproot them and have them come with me? Or do I just want to go have a season by myself where they come visit from time to time? That's a negative, I would think. And then on the flip side of that, if I decide not to play, then I'm with my kids, no matter what, whether I want to coach the little league or I want to just, just take them to school every morning or do whatever it is that, that you want to do. I think that, I don't think you're out of bounds one bit by looking at all of the potential sentimental outcomes of this whole thing. I mean, the, the idea of, okay, yeah, I could play with my brother. That would be a positive, right? And yeah, then on it, the flip side, Rangers of
2: it, aren't going to sign him to a two year, $15 million deal to right. play
1: third base. They right. need, don't need all the talent they can get. Exactly. And, it, but on the flip side of that, so there's that, the positive side of God, it'd be cool to play with my brother, right? Just have a season in the big leagues with my brother, right? They, you know, that at some point they'd have them back to back and you could do the whole Griffey, Griffey senior. You could do the whole back to back homers at some point, all of that is a positive on the flip side of it. 100% your your, your brother signs some $300 million contract and you sign one for five. That's not a good, that's not a good feeling. Yeah. Even though it's not about the money to him anymore. He didn't, he didn't decide not to play because I am, it's not worth playing the game for only $5 million versus 20 million. It wasn't that, well, my services are worth way more than what I was going to make. That isn't it. It just, there's obviously all these factors you're kind of touching on all of them. And then he weighs them. And at this point in time, he decides, nope, I'm done, and that's that. Now we'll see. He's going to get the itch. Damn. Every single baseball player on the planet that's ever played beyond little league, uh, when the first season comes around, that you don't start getting ready for spring training if you're a pro, or you just aren't getting ready for tryouts if it's in high school, you just it's it, there's something missing. You, it's something like something isn't clicking quite the same, and you this, it, that feeling comes around. Everybody goes through it. I don't care if you're an Edgar Martinez that rides off into the sunset and ends up in Cooperstown, or you're somebody like me that just barely, you know, got my a cup of coffee and then boom, it's all gone. You're going to have that feeling of, Oh man, I missed that. And I want to do that again. Now, whether or not that tug is pull, that that pull is tugging at him enough to, to ever make him change his mind. We won't know until that time comes.
2: Yeah. I bet man, if I him, I'm like, all right, look here, little brother. I, I realize you were taller than me. And, stronger than me and faster than me and more handsome than me quite frankly <laughs> uh and uh so look you got your money uh, I've made mine not as much as you but I did make a pretty good chunk playing this game so yeah I want to play for one more year I want to play third base right next to you I want to give you crap every day on the left side of the infield uh, I'm going to be your biggest supporter and your biggest uh, tormentor uh, all in the same season uh, I'm going to live at your house because I'm not going to play for much longer. So I'm not going to rent anything. So I'm going <laughs> to live at your house. You're going to put me up in the guest house. You're going to drive me to work every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Your personal chef is going to make me food. <laughs> uh, and for one year, this is going to be the most memorable yes. year the Seegers have ever had together. And, uh, Oh, by the way, Uh, maybe we can win a few baseball games, even though the Texas Rangers won't
1: sniff the playoffs probably for another five years. Good choice. Corey.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I
1: think that'd be awesome. And I, yeah, to be honest, I mean, I, again, you're, you you know, you're talking to a guy who didn't feel fulfilled at the end of my, at the end of my career. And so to me, yeah. You give me that opportunity. It's all positive to me. I get to play more one. Okay. Sign me up. I, I'd go play for anybody. I'd have to go play with the Texas Rangers. I don't care. Um, and then if I got to do it and torment my brother on the left side of the infield, that whole thing, all of that stuff that you just said, I would sign up for it in a second. He just, he obviously, I mean, he's got a bad taste in his mouth right now and has yeah. for a few years here. And it's unfortunate because you didn't necessarily, we knew it was there when we were down at spring training the year after what, and they shipped Nelson Cruz off. Right. And it just kind of, they say, Hey, we're done. They Felix, he didn't like the way they treated Felix on his going away, uh, you know, season just this year. They didn't, he didn't like that they didn't make enough moves at the trade deadline and kind of commit to this team and say, Hey, maybe we got to bump this thing up a notch and go all in now instead of wait for the off season. All of that stuff has left a bad taste in his mouth. And he apparently, uh, came to the decision, like I'm done. And now whether or not he's doing it too soon, only he is going to know that what, what he's feeling inside. And, and, you know, he's going to have, I can guarantee he's going to have moments of doubt. He's going to have moments when he's like, ah, man, I wish I was out there. Now I hope for his sake, for his mental health and, and just for the, the sense of peace, I hope that he, that those are fleeting, fleeting and that they, they come in a little wave and then they go away and then they're just kind of overtaken with, taking his kids to school and all the time off that he's going to have and enjoy the money that he made. Because if it becomes a little bit more where the, the pole is, is pulling at him a little bit more than, than the, the enjoyment of retirement, then that's going to be a tough pill for him to swallow. Uh, Well, I'll say this, as I said, it was at times
2: a bumpy ride. He still had a really successful career and uh, he had a really successful time with the organization and the fan base. Uh, and, and so if this, is, this is the end, obviously I'll, I'll say this, I enjoyed him more this year than at any time I've covered this team. Uh, I, he really finished on a positive note, uh, with me. And I had a couple years in there where I was really frustrated with him. I thought his defense was starting to lag a little bit. Uh, he was hell bent on pulling everything and, and, uh, he was not, uh, as clutch as a run producer as he was this past year, he had a really good year uh, knocking in runs this year. Uh, but what he did from a leadership standpoint, even though he was Pouty Pants McGee two years ago when we went to spring training, um, and obviously did not like the rebuild and obviously rubbed Jerry DePoto the wrong way, and they never healed that relationship. Uh, what he did as a leader, And the way that all you got to do is look in the faces of those who he touched on that team at the end of the year. And when J.P. Crawford can't talk without crying and Ty France won't even talk because he knows he can't talk without crying. uh, And Mitch Haniger said the wonderful things that he said. Um, he really, if this, this, I mean, this is the end, I don't even have to say if this is certainly the end as a Mariner, I think it is his end as a major league baseball player. Uh, and so, uh,
1: God bless him. He
2: ended, I think on a truly, truly positive note. Yeah, I
1: did. And you're right, man. There's something about that, you know, where the, whether he came into the season thinking this that I'm done at the end of this year and, and nothing changed his mind or whether he came into the season thinking, okay, we'll see how this whole thing works. Maybe, maybe Jerry and I don't walk by each other without speaking and, and this, this relationships get, gets mended and they want to bring me back for one more year because they don't necessarily have the heir apparent weight sitting in AAA or something that is going to replace what he did as far as run production, who knows, who knows what his thoughts were from the beginning of the season to the end, but he ends up, we know what his thoughts are now that he's ready to walk away from the whole thing. And I'm with you. He is, is upset and frustrated as he was, and rightfully so, to some extent, just like it's right for the fans and and probably some of the people in the front office for being frustrated with the fact that he just kept yanking balls into the shift and refused to go the other way, and his defense was not Gold Glove caliber the last few years. It' plain and simple. And so he wasn't probably he wasn't worth the money that he was getting paid, but he still was worth something. And, and what we saw this year, what he was worth, was the leadership that he brought to the team. And and while you're going through a rebuild. You need to have a guy, at least one guy that kind of knows what it is you're supposed to do, knows how you're supposed to go about your business and kind of stays on everybody to kind of stay the course because you're going to go through some ups and downs. And he did that this year with this young team the last couple of years. Actually, I think that he did a really good job of kind of helping take a lot of these guys under their wing, under his wings and saying, hey, here's how you got to go about it, whether or not it turns out in the end that we're in the playoffs or not. This is how you go about your business. And it, it gives us the best chance of success in the end. There is no way that he is not going to miss hanging out with JP,
2: Mm -hmm. Ty, uh, Perry Hill. I mean, Kyle might decide to come back and play just so that he can tease Perry Hill for another season. I mean, <laughs> right.
1: uh,
2: uh, he might just be a designated teaser. He just like shows up and I'm like Ichiro. I'm just on the coaching staff just so I can see Perry every other day or so. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Kyle Seager, certainly the, the big topic. And I'm going to go move straight to the burners uh, because we might as well talk about this third base position. Uh, so I'm going to uh, knock that out bottom right. I'm going to take out myself. Uh, and it, this is not solved. Look, uh, you know, there was certainly this feeling. We shared it with listeners all year long. Poor Ashley who is a big Seeger fan, just could not understand when she joined our morning show uh, why he has to go. Um, and it's not an easy thing to explain. It's just time. It, it's just it's time to go. Uh, but they don't have an improvement there yet. I mean, we got the offseason yanked out from underneath us. I mean, Jerry was just getting started. And I, and I do believe that he has a plan. Uh, going forward, but uh, they, they're not improved at third base as we sit here and do this podcast on January 6th. Uh, I realize that some people out there uh, think Abraham Toro's the next Chipper Jones. Uh, I'm not one of them. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm exaggerating, yeah. but uh. there were so many people that were so positive about Abraham Toro, uh, and I'm like, come on, cut it out. Um, I don't think he's a starter. And I think he could be a valuable bench guy. There were some things about them that impressed me. There were some things about him that didn't impress me at all, but if he's your starting third baseman next year, you've gone backwards. Uh, that's, that's not an improvement over Kyle Seager. And this is a team that needs to be better. Uh, otherwise, why are you chasing the guy? Why are you running the guy out of town on a rail? Maybe he would have come back on a lesser deal uh, to a team that loves him. Um, but that's not the case. So, Uh, We'll have we'll have that gold rush that will take place when the uh, lockout finally comes to a close and Jerry's going to be very active and I have a feeling he's going to end up with a body uh, other than what we know is on the roster right now but what you have right now is Toro or Ty France moving him away from first base and sending him over to third I I, that's not that's not good good enough you know. With this team trying to win the American League West this year, well, you you need something better at third base, in my opinion. Unless, of course, I mean, you can settle. If that's your weakness, if Toro's your third baseman – and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
2: But you, you signed um, a superstar, uh, you know, second baseman, you know, then you can compensate for it. But right now, they need improvement at that position, unless you're going to just go over the moon improving something else.
1: Right, right. Which I think they're probably planning on bringing a body in, like you said. I don't know who, but I, I would imagine they're probably bringing a body in. I can't think that, regardless of how much GMs want to, you know, kind of stand firm on the decisions that they made, right? When they ended up trading for Toro, I think that they they knew that, well, we're not gonna take Kyle out. That would just totally derail this, the feel that the, the mentality that the team was playing with. We can put this guy at second and he's probably not an improvement defensively. He's definitely not an improvement defensively over Dylan Moore but we're hoping that he brings something to the table on the base paths and and swinging a stick and all that kind of stuff. He did. Yeah, he did at first. And and ultimately numbers wise, it looks okay. I was not impressed with the way in which he got the numbers that he got. It was a very soft average that he hit for. There was a whole bunch of swinging jam shots that turn into knocks down the third baseline. And he runs hard and he plays the game. He plays the game the right way, which that to me leads me to down the path of there's still some potential there for this guy to, to turn into more than what we just saw. I think that he, I think that he's still young in his big league career. I mean, it's just like, I I haven't given up on Evan white because of his offensive deficiencies yet, but at the same time, my impression at this point is you're not a very good hitter and Toro. I'm kind of the same type of thing. It's maybe not the swing and miss strikeout thing that Evan white is, but I'm not impressed with what he brings to the table when he walks up to the plate. Uh, based on what I saw last year, hot start. And then it basically just kind of cooled off. And when he did get knocks, they were punching Judy, little jam shots from more often than not. So I'm with you. I think that they got to do something. Now, if they move Ty France, which is a a thing that, you know, they're going to Evan White, hopefully can come back from the hip surgery. And hopefully he, I know that he was having some issues with the the whole analytics, kind of wanting to get away from that, that some of that stuff being rammed down his throat and just go back to what he, what he did growing up and how he learned how to hit. If he comes back and figures how to hit with his gold glove at first base and Ty France figures out how to play defense, if he can pick up third base and prove at third base, the way that he improved this year at first base, I don't, I think you did get better. Ty France offensively. And if he could, if he, he would have some serious improvement to do over what I saw his couple times of playing third base the year before, but we saw the bad third baseman the year before in Ty France, go to be a bad first baseman when he first moved over to first this year and then turn into a borderline gold glove first baseman towards the end of the year. So if he could make that transition over to third base and just be a guy that is just – he's not a, a defensive liability and then be the, the bat that he is in the lineup, I think you have improved at third base with him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let me clarify. Uh, he's a better offensive player than Kyle Seager. Uh, okay. A- and you're right. I mean, he's got the best infield coach in the sport. Um, who in while the season is going on turned him into that gold glove caliber first baseman, or at least near to it, as you were describing. So, if but I want him working on that now, you know, yeah. I <laughs> he needs to be working on that now. I don't want him to hold off till spring training. So, I don't know if he's pulling the shed long and he's got nine gloves in his duffel bag that he's going out and taking grounders every day or not. Uh, but if that's going to be the role for him, I'd like to, for him to be working on it now. But we can't solve the other pieces of this puzzle until Jerry can get back to making moves again. But let's put it this way. We brought we brought up on stove in the past. Uh, the Oakland A's guys, it, you know, Matt Chapman represents an upgrade at third over what you had. Um, Matt Olson represents such an upgrade at first base that I'm comfortable putting France and just whatever happens defensively happens defensively. Cause I want both of those bats in my lineup yeah. every day. And Olsen is uh, one of the best defensive first baseman in the game. So I'm good with that. And then I'll bring up my other one, top right burner, Trevor story. I, I don't, I don't think Trevor story is going to, even though he's been a very good defensive shortstop, I think if he signs somewhere, it's probably going to be as a third baseman or a second baseman. And it sounds to me like he is open to that. He is a bigger dude. Um, and so I think Trevor's story is starting to make a lot more sense to me than he has at any time in this offseason. And I'll tell you why, Bucky. It's because it's based predominantly on Chris Bryant and what they are estimating his salary is going to be. I I just saw an article yesterday kind of resetting what players are going to make once the lockout ends. They had six years 180 on Chris Bryant. And meanwhile, they got for uh, Trevor's story, you know, uh, you know. I think it was uh, five years, 22, 23 million dollars, somewhere in that range. Give me that. I'll take All that. Right. And I think story could be turned into a second baseman or a third baseman. And he is really slick with the glove. He just hasn't played those positions before.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he's not going to bring the same amount of danger, if you will, power wise, but he's got plenty of danger power wise. I mean, he's not a, he's not a punch in Judy by any stretch of imagination. And he would be uh, undoubtedly the best third baseman out of out of, between him and uh, the guy you were just talking about, the Giants Cubs. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. Geez. Yeah. Between those two, I mean, as far as picking it, if you could put, if he would make the transition to third base, you just got better defensively and way better offensively, in my opinion, over what we had. And that's, again, not trying to, neither one of us are trying to throw shade. I think that's what, we're, what it would be called. I don't really uh, at, know what that means. Yeah. At Kyle Seeger, because I, I like <laughs> Kyle Seeger, but he was, yes. If you could get Trevor Story to, to come over and that left side of your infield with him and JP would be, That would be pretty impressive defensively. And you just added a big bat to your lineup. Yeah, you get a guy with uh, athletic, athletically can play shortstop. And
2: also his glove work is some of the best in the sport. That's a guy that I can see Perry Hill using a weekend and turning into a third baseman. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of readjusting things. I mean, I'd love to have Chris Bryant and the versatility that he brings to the roster at this stage in his career. And I think he gives you that legitimate number four hole hitter uh, that I think that this organization needs. Um, but salary does weigh into this. I'm, I'm, I still want good deals, even though, you know, I, I, the Mariners have, are going to spend some money and we were expecting them to spend some money. But I still want to get good deals. I don't want to overspend on anybody. So if, that, if that's anywhere close to being accurate, I mean, I, I think those are very comparable value players, Story and Bryant. And if you're telling me there's a60 million dollar overall discrepancy between the two, that's easy. That's an easy tiebreaker for me. Sign story, and I guarantee you he can turn into an excellent defensive shortstop, third base well he's already shortstop, defensive second baseman or third baseman, and I'll hit him fourth. You know, what the hell? I mean, he's got power. Mm-hmm. It's, he's not your ideal fourth hitter. But he's certainly going to, you know, uh, be a fixture in the middle of your order somewhere. Uh, so that's, you know, I'm starting to see these uh, people doing these Photoshop things, which are remarkable. You guys are really talented at this out there. Uh, these Photoshop <laughs> things with Trevor Story in the Mariner uniform. And I nearly scrolled past it and just accepted it as fact the other day. Uh, Bucky, oh, Trevor <laughs> Story's awesome. a Mariner. I'll be damned. And I just kept scrolling. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I went back and then I'm like, oh, man, that's a good looking that looks good right there. I, I yeah. like the look of that.
1: Yeah, I do too. And uh, by all accounts, I mean, I'm not a Rockies fan. I'm a diehard Mariner fan, but being a big Bronco fan like I am, there's a lot of people that I follow on that stupid Twitter machine that also cover the Rockies. And and I've read a lot of things that talk about how good of a guy in the clubhouse he is, how well-liked yeah. he is by his teammates. And there is no doubt in my mind that Jerry Depoto has something – where he's trying to kind of mesh all of that together, right? They, he wants to have a little bit more contact, less strikeouts, right? Control in the zone you know, being doing, he, he has this, this philosophy that he's trying to conjure up and and find the players. And a big part of that is that feel. Now, whether or not you can capture that Kyle Seager was a big part of that this last year. And when he's gone, there's going to be a void that's going to be needed to be filled and it's not going to be filled the same way, but you're going to have to find some leadership role and somebody that actually kind of meshes with the rest of the guys on that squad, because you, you saw how well they played because they, They were always pulling for each other. They kind of even when the the chips were stacked against them or they were in a little bit of a slide, you still felt like they were still pulling in the same direction. And and by all accounts, from what I hear, Trevor story is that that type of a guy in the clubhouse.
2: And by the way, another thing that Jerry loves is having that team speed. Uh, This is a 20 to 30 uh, stolen base guy. Uh, He has been throughout almost all of his career. And obviously at this age, you expect those numbers to start to dwindle going forward. But let's say he steals 20 bases next year for the Mariners. That's 22 more than Seager would have had. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if if you do hit him in the heart, if you do hit him (laughs) instead of having him two or three, if you do say, "Okay, this is our four hole guy, maybe France is hitting three, whatever it might be. Now all of a sudden, yeah, you've you've. While he doesn't bring the same thunder that your big poppies or Nelson Cruz, those type of guys that you normally have in a four hole, uh, if all of a sudden you have somebody that can swipe a bag from time to time, it makes the lineup a little bit more difficult for pitchers to kind of navigate. Yeah, uh, and uh, very smart, very smart baseball player. So yeah,
2: I, I'm I be. I'd be absolutely just fine uh, if Trevor story's the target once the uh, lockout comes to a close. Uh, so let's go to the bottom left and let's talk about this uh, damn lockout. I don't know what to say, Bucky. I mean, there's not any information being given. They're not meeting until mid January. Uh, Rob Manfred is absolutely as the commissioner of this sport, just under attack by everybody that loves it. Um, I, I mean, it, all we want you to do is, is figure it out. And to me, it just makes a lot more sense that you've got a better chance of doing that and creating some progress if you meet earlier than later. But I mean, are you really fooling anybody with this contract negotiation of, I mean, we get what you're doing, let's wait till the very end and we'll put the screws to them. We'll really put the pressure on them. But when both sides are doing that, nobody has an advantage. Now, all you're doing is risking at the midnight hour, really pissing each other off and not meeting again until April when the season is supposed to start. Why not meet now? Get that meeting out of the way where you hate each other and you're throwing things at each other. And maybe Rob Manfred gets, you know, a suplex done to him by Tony Clark. Yeah, maybe an elbow into his throat, Uh, you know, something like that. Get that meeting out of the way so that then you can reconvene. Or uh, 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 beginning of February and we can fix this damn thing I can't explain it to people I've never been able to understand it this is just apparently how things have to be negotiated when it comes to professional sports leagues they have to wait till the midnight hour to put the screws to the other uh, side of things and uh, I, I'm not I'm not hearing any progress one way or the other and so The only thing I would say, Bucky, is uh, I have a source who talked to a major owner in Major League Baseball, and that owner said, don't worry about anything. We both sides know that it'd be suicide, basically, uh, of our sport if we don't start on time or at least very close to on time. So don't worry. It's not going to be some extended lockout because that would be just career suicide for all of us. So. I don't know if that makes people feel better or worse. I don't know, but, uh, hopefully, you know, there, the, the logic is going to prevail. It's just taken a long time for anybody to sit down at the seat with that in mind.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think any of us as baseball fans just feel real comfortable about logic and common sense and whatnot, when it's Manfred that is the face or the head of, of one side of these negotiations, because while I do believe, whoever your source is, that, that, yeah, hopefully there's a lot of people on the ownership side and on the player's side where they're like, hey, we really want to fix this. We really want this change. We really need this in our favor, and we'll give that whatever. Right? There is some cooler heads that are inside there. Now, whether or not those cooler heads are going to prevail sooner and later, we'll see. But the fact that one guy that is heading up the ownership side of this thing is Rob Manfred, who hates the game of baseball and is <laughs> – Totally inept at, at doing his job. To me, I read something the other day, and I don't know how true it was. I think it was on the stupid Twitter machine that was basically kind of was laying out what Rob Manfred is, right? That there's a plaintiff lawyer. And essentially, this guy was saying um, that he promised the owners that I will break the union. Okay, I don't that's scary to me because that union doesn't break. It hasn't broken for a long time. They will concede on certain things as long as you meet their their wants on other things. If you think you're going to just absolutely break them, crush them, put them under enough pressure that they will break, they won't. And so then you get into the the hard heads just smashing against each other and nobody gives anywhere, that is something that's scary to me, and I'm with you. Stop dilly-dallying around. I don't know why. Okay, we had the holidays. Then meet right after the beginning of the new year. Meet now. We should be meeting now. I guess here hear it's going to happen in, what, a week or 10 days? Something like that is when they're scheduled to kind of sit down at the table again. You know that one's not going to happen. They're not going to come out of there in agreement. They're going to go in there and still play hardball. They're going to be literally going... No, nope, we are not giving in on this. And the other side is going to be like, well, we're not giving in on that. OK, well, then we're done. Meeting's over. Right. And they're going to walk out and then we're going to see how long they they do the, the cold shoulder to one another. And before they actually give each other a text and say, hey, let's get back and, and figure this thing out. I, 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 I hope to God your source is right that, that the, the majority of the people on both sides are understanding that you cannot take this to where it delays the season. You know, I mean, you don't I don't even think you really can afford too terribly much delay in spring training. So you don't have a whole heck of a lot of time left to kind of get this thing done. And you've been sitting on your thumbs, you know, wondering, you know, just waiting for like, oh, well, we did this little preemptive lockout. That'll let them know you didn't let the players know anything. The players have a couple of things that they definitely want change. They want you to stop screwing around service time. They want to they want you to stop making it to where you have to play for six years before you actually start making real good money. They probably want to change, increase the the major league minimum because it's the lowest major league minimum out there out of the big sports. So now all of a sudden you don't have to because I mean me, for example, I got there and it was nice to make four hundred thousand dollars for the, well, 200,000. Cause I was only there for half a year. Right. It was nice to make that money. It was more than I, way better than what I was making in the minor leagues, but it's nothing. I wasn't even close to getting to where I was going to make any paycheck that was going to set me for life. And that's yeah. when you chase the dream and you set the rest of your life aside, you know, a guy like me, I'm all of a sudden almost 30 years old. And the game says, I'm done with you. And all my other friends were, Well into their careers. They were established. And I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? So you make that sacrifice saying, I'm going to take the chance of hopefully making millions and millions of dollars. But if it doesn't work out, like it doesn't work out for most guys, I'm going to be sitting there just kind of like, Well, okay, here we go. Buckle them up. I have no idea what the rest of my future holds. So there's a few things that the the players are just not going to, they're not going to bend on. And I don't necessarily agree with that altogether. There's certain things I'm sure if we find out the sticking points. I'm sure that I, there's a couple of things i be like, Come on, guys. That's not something to delay the season over. But I, I'm really more scared about what Rob, Rob Manfred's going to do as far as what he thinks he's going to put the screws to this players' union on.
2: And by the way, all three of those points that you brought up, I think, are con- entirely reasonable. I think they are entirely reasonable. But then again, on the flip side, I don't want to hear baseball players moan uh, that collusion because the owners have wised up to – we're not going to pay you these ridiculous sums of money after age 35 when you don't contribute. Right. You know? So, I mean, that's the give and take to me. That's the ebb and flow. That's what gets it solved. That's the logical step that needs to be taken. So all three of those points, the, I think the baseball players should get that the only thing that worries me. And I said this this morning on our radio show, I think that Tony Clark and the players are completely out of touch. I don't think. I think that they are all under the impression that every single owner sits on trillions of dollars, and they're entitled to every single cent because they're the star attraction. You know, and and then the owners on the flip side, I think uh, they are led by a guy who's inept. So how does the illogical and the inept meet and reach a conclusion? Um, that's what scares me. And not one part of this is being thought about for the benefit of the game and of the fan. Right. And the game needs to be the most treasured thing of all. And that's why it can't be delayed because you can't bring any more harm to the game right now. You already did that in 2020 when you couldn't get your cards in order. So, my commissioner needs to act in the best interest of the game. And unfortunately, because of the finances, we are now in a situation where all of them are puppets for the owners. And so when you have this, these are the two representatives, how on earth are they going to negotiate a fair deal in a short order of time? Yeah. It does worry me greatly. And I, and I, I I don't know. Uh, I, I just, uh, I hope it's going to happen. I, I don't want, of all the seasons in my entire life, I don't want this one messed
1: with. Right. No, not after we've been, you know, just for the four years you and I have been doing this. It's been losing season after losing season, and you're like, when's this going to happen? And then we we got on board a few years ago, a couple years ago. You you kind of laid out the plan before Jerry DePoto even announced his plan that this is what they should do. And then all of a sudden, he went down that path. I'm sure it's because he was listening to our show. Yep. Um for sure but uh, regardless of why this offseason set up to be the biggest one of the biggest offseasons if not the biggest offseason in Mariners history definitely the one in the most recent in the last decade the biggest offseason where it's like okay you just set the table for a delicious meal and then we just shut the stove off the stove got shut off on us and now we're like okay what the hell and I'm with you man I got big fear because of the guys that are in charge now the one thing that I I, just the optimistic point of view that I am, I have to think that majority of the players, well, yes, they will be out of touch to some degree. They might want their cake and eat it too and not want to give in on anything. Uh, and the owners probably same way. I, I want this and I don't want to pay guys until they've you know been in the league for six years and then I'll pay them. And then I also don't want to pay them beyond 35 either. Well, the, you can't have both of those either. You can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm hoping that there's enough smart owners and I have to think there is that understand. Yeah, I am not the, I might be a billionaire, but I still am spending a whole bunch of money. And if I don't have baseball or if I throw scab players out there, because i let this lockout thing go turn into a strike. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm losing big on an investment that I don't want to lose big on and the players, same thing. So I have to think that the majority of guys, maybe not the guys heading this, these, this argument up on both sides, but I, I would have to hope that the guys, majority of the owners and majority of the players that are going to be given their input to these mouthpieces that head up their sides of this argument are going to be like, Hey, we got to we're going to have to give a little bit. I mean, you just, you would have to be an absolute idiot. Now I think Moron on Madford is an idiot, but I, I'm hoping that there's not, that not all of the owners are idiots. Otherwise we're going to wind up in a real big, bad, ugly situation.
2: Now, fingers crossed. That's all I can say. I can't, uh, I don't have any information to share. I don't have any, uh positivity or, or, really like a, a negativity to share from anything that I've heard. I mean, we're just all in the dark right now. And all you can do is just wish and hope, uh, that it gets solved. All right. Uh, final thing, upper left, uh, January preparation, uh, Bucky as a baseball player, uh, walk us through it. You go into the off season, you probably haven't been on the old treadmill in a while, <laughs> uh, especially during COVID. Uh, yeah, got to the holidays uh, and, you know, you you ate more. You got to, well, Thanksgiving, you ate a lot at Thanksgiving and then you ate even more. You, you know, I mean, you just you fudged out at yeah. uh, Christmas fudged out. Uh, yeah. And then you're like, well, I guess I could start now. But, you know, I'm going to drink heavily uh, on December 31st. So, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and circle January 2nd right now is the day I'm going to start getting back into shape. But we got a little caveat here, uh, Bucky. Uh, we don't know when the season's going to start. So, you're coming out of the holidays. It's January 6th. What should a major league baseball player be doing right now to get ready for spring training?
1: They better all be better be acting like the season's starting on time. And until they, you know, until this first meeting and if, you know, who knows, they could come out of the first meeting and it goes so poorly that the owners basically say to them or they say to themselves after the negotiations go sour. You know what? This ain't happening. We're not. We're not showing up spring training on time. And then you would adjust your your time frame in which how you're trying to get your body in shape for the time that you need to be ready by. Um, but as of right now, considering we don't know either way, they better all be working out as if this thing's going to start on time. And so for me, what I ended up doing was. I took a couple months off at the end of the season and went and saw buddies that, you know, I didn't get to see college buddies, high school buddies and drank and partied and had a good time for a couple months. And then right before Thanksgiving, about two weeks before Thanksgiving is when I first started working out. Now it wasn't, I wasn't hitting, I wasn't doing any of the baseball stuff. I was just starting to train. My body basically stop abusing my body is what I was doing. Stop the abuse. Uh, my, my check, uh, liver light was flashing at that point. And it was like, <laughs> I had to do some sort of tune up on my body to stop that thing from flashing and, and get myself kind of over that hurdle. You know, that first couple of weeks of getting back into shape when your, your body's really sore after every workout. So I would do that for a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving and then just crush all the turkey I could possibly eat on th- at Thanksgiving and, you know, have that four or five days off around the holiday. And then right after Thanksgiving kicked it into gear again for about a month until new year's came. And again, taking a little four or five day break yeah. we're party with my buddies again, check liver lights on again, and then come back after watching football January 1st, come back the second and it's hit the ground and it's time to go and it's go full blast. And I'm, I'm talking workout, uh, cardio yoga and a small lifting session in the morning go home eat take a little nap come back do yoga lift hard again and then hit in the evening and it's it basically a full-time job I'd probably logging yeah. in somewhere eight to ten hours of training whether it be you know physically like weight and strength training or hitting type training, hitting, running that field and ground ball, stuff like that. And it's, so it's go time now. And I would be willing to bet that most of these guys, you're going to have some, you'll have some guys that are like, I don't know what's happening. Maybe the season's not going to start on time. So they're still sitting on their ass, but I'd be willing to bet 95% of the guys are out there figuring, all right, as of right now, I think the season's going to start on time or that's what I'm going to presume is going to happen. So I'm going to get after it start getting after my body and getting my body in shape ready for spring training.
2: All right. Well, I'm gonna have one more big martini night on Friday. And then
1: Saturday, I'm buckling that's down. it. Okay, yeah. buckling down, getting ready for spring training. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm on uh, Saturday's your final one then. Yeah. Okay. Then I usually do more of a of a, a Friday night. See Friday just is the best day of the week, right? I mean, Friday you, just, yeah. you do your show and then ten o'clock on Friday, it's like, ah, okay, got two and a half days off or kind of sort of Sunday. You start preparing for the show again, but I'm gonna probably make mine Friday. And then, you know what, I'm out here in my little weight room studio, you know what, just having this conversation has now inspired me, I'm going to actually bring (laughs) the weight room equipment into the weight room, because right now it's just sitting out in my shop doing nothing but collecting dust, this weekend, Friday I'm going to do that, bring it all in here, Friday I'm going to have my one last hoorah, just like uh, back in the day, and then it's go time, get ready for spring training.
2: I'm thinking Jazzercise this year. That's oh, what really?
1: my focus is going to be on. Yeah. Unitards and leg warmers, the whole the whole thing? I did say Jazzercise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, so the aerobic step, do you yeah. use just yeah. one lift or do you go two lifts? Probably start with one. Uh, uh, well, I'll do three yeah. if I can. Oh. Yeah. Wow. You might yeah. be, hey, don't go too hard because then you'll be sore and you won't be able to work out the next day. You got to ease oh. into it, Charles. Ease into it.
2: I, don't, I can't, those two things don't go together, jazzercise and ease into it.
1: That's true. That's Richard just, Simmons never said,
2: come on, let's ease yeah. into it. He you never gotta, said that. You got to
1: blow your hair back on day number one. <laughs> so yeah, so You will get that done. Can't wipe yeah. the next day. You're so sore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I need help. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I, I don't know what to promise uh, you, the listener, in terms of our stove podcast. I'm going to tell you this. On Monday, uh, Chuck and Buck are going to start a baseball series starting on Monday. So on our radio show, at least once per day, uh, we're going to provide analysis player by player of the Mariners uh, because Rob Manford might be able to lock out the players. He might be able to uh, lock out the teams. He can't lock us out. He can't lock out our analysis, Bucky. He can't lock no. out our... Enthusiasm. Can't, can't lock out our love. You can't lock out our love. Yeah, screw you, so, Manfred. Uh, we'll be doing that on radio, but uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll be doing uh, some stove podcasts uh, between now and decision time. Uh, maybe it's every week maybe it's not but uh, hopefully we'll have uh, some information to pass along and we can do one again uh, next Wednesday we are beholden to the uh, news cycle so uh, Bucky Jacobson Chuck Powell with you thanks for listening to another episode of Stove and of course uh, listen to us on Sports Radio 950 KJR every morning Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 we'll talk to you soon